at the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this is back to Rick Beato. He interviews Sting, and uh, he he's talking about, you know, the time signature and various things in his music. And... Uh, so he starts talking about uh, his vocals in the higher register and how when he was in car as a kid in the 10th grade, there was all this noise going on, but he could hear his voice above the every all the other noises. And Sting said, you notice that singers in metal bands you can't be a baroque or a baritone singer and be in a rock band. They all have higher ranges. I just sent you the next song. Go ahead and pot that one down and play the song that he was talking about because when you get it up, that's fine. He said the first time he heard the police and Sting's voice, it was in this song, and uh, it was, you know, kind of, he said that he felt that that Sting himself said, "Oh, we were only successful because we kind of got in as a punk band, but but we." And he said, "No, sir, your voice would have been there under anything." And this is the song that he said he first heard, where he could hear his vo- his vocals way above everything. 1978. This is really more like a, it's punk, but it's reggae also. I mean, listen, the, the time signature is just... That was the neat thing about that band. Cause and and Stuart Copeland's drumming is just phenomenal. Unbelievable. But there's a, what makes the time signature so impressive, there's a lot of space 
in in their music. It, it's they're not trying to fill up every single little piece of space. There's a lot of room in there. And quietness. Quietness, and then you put that syncopation and that uh, those different time signatures. Yeah. That's what makes it. I thought so it was cool. because they had only three members. One of my favorite bands are three members. Yeah, the James Rush. Gang, Rush, yep. Rush, absolutely. Mountain, yep. Felix Papillardi. I mean, you know, Cream. Yeah, Cream was only three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yep. They are. They were. That's the first CD I ever bought. Israeli Gears. Really fantastic album. Maybe we should, just do, a music, had, we should <laughs> just do a music show. Well, right. the, the cool thing about that, that's the intro to 48 Hours. You have Eddie Murphy getting on the prison bus, and he is singing this song. He's got his Walkman on back when those existed, and he's just singing he's it as loud singing as singing from the Disraeli gear? No, no, he's singing Roxanne. Yeah, Roxanne, yeah, yeah, that's no, right. He didn't play. No, he probably didn't, I remember never heard that. Of Israeli was, gears, but yeah, that's I remember what having I think a Walkman. I want to hear that song, yeah. And then they made him, they played a CD instead of a cassette. All right. Um, Let's do some financial stuff. That's what pays the bills around here, not music <laughs> criticism. So that is too bad. I, I, yeah, it is. I too wish bad. it did. It really is. I know. So, uh, what we're going to talk about? It's kind of the the tag to what we talked about last week. If you didn't listen to it, check out the podcast. You can go go back and listen to it. The, At dupreefinancial.com under the blog and or under the radio tab. Just go, go to our website yeah. and click, and you will see it posted. And the topic was converting a growth portfolio to an income portfolio. Right. And the five or the one minute gist of that is we've had a lot of growth in a concentrated part of the market this year. Your 401k is probably, uh, or just employer plan, is probably allocated to that. Um, and so this is an opportunity to convert some of that to more of an income, a combination of income and growth. That was the topic last week. There were a couple things we touched on, but we didn't go too deep on. Um, the first one is when you start that process drawing, you know, taking distributions from the portfolio, um, you, there is a change. There should be a change. There needs to be a change on the investment uh, uh, approach. It's got to be. So You're that's crazy if you don't. That that's one, and that's what we covered last week, big time. But the second part is the more uh, the 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 mindset, the psychology of you, the participant, when you start drawing out from that. Yeah. That's very very hard for a lot of people. It's impossible for some people. Yeah, and that's the thing that we. That's why we don't get everybody's a client. Quite frankly, uh, some people can never get away from growth, and and you know, God bless them. I mean, they're just that's going to be a, that that that's fine. You you do what you know, do what you're comfortable with. But our strategy is is not going to be for everybody, but for people that it's for, you know. It can be very helpful. Yep. It's when you're drawing on a portfolio. Um, now, a lot of times people that have that they're, they're savers by nature. And a lot of times that, that's right. why you've accumulated what you've accumulated. Uh, We've got uh, clients that are retired, no longer getting a paycheck, but they like saving money from their distribution. That's what they do. You know? That's what they and do. They take that's, money out of their 
IRA because they have to, and they put it in their savings account or in their investment account. That's right. And that, that is one of the best ways to protect yourself long-term from outliving your money. You you live below your means. Um, now at some point in the future, things happen that are out of your control. Could be healthcare, um, could be assisted living. It could be a number of things that are out of your control. Um, and that's where, you know, the income approach can help too. But the, the, the person's mindset, um, this, it's why it's so important to have somebody to talk to because you have everything from the person that says, I don't want to touch it because I want it to be there. That's that's kind of the far extreme saver. Problem is with inflation, it's not there. Yeah, that's right. Unless you know you're getting more on your savings, then inflation's taken away from you. Yeah, and then the other extreme is the person that comes in and says, "I need what what equates to a seven, eight, nine percent distribution." That's the other extreme. Um, Are you saying seven or eight, nine percent isn't realistic? <laughs> wait a well, minute. I, I, you said it was that, an extreme. So, you know, wait, I thought we were in a. Wait, okay. I'm no, going to dis- put a disclaimer in here. <laughs> Nothing here is meant to represent investment advice. Please consult with your financial advisor if you have one. If not, we can provide you with one. But the point is, it's yeah, that's pretty. It, that, it's that, that's, unrealistic. It's it's unrealistic. You run the risk of depleting your principal over time, um, and the very real risk. Very real risk. So. The, the point is, everybody is different. Everybody has a different, just n- natural makeup of how they view money, uh, how they view risk. Yeah. Um, and uh, and, it, and you, then everybody is a little different. Yeah. And everybody, you, you, you need to understand what you own, why you own it. Uh, there needs to be a clear plan on how to achieve, you know, what your goals are. You know, one, one of the things we talked about last week, you know, we're specifically on the dividend side. Um, and the, we were talking about it earlier today, you know, dividends versus inflation, you know, having that income stream that adjusts for inflation. Um, you know, historically, um, you know, the, one of the best hedges against inflation are stocks. Um, and you know, you look back to going back to 1928 through 2022, inflation's averaged right around 3%. Uh, the market has averaged about 9.64%. And the market being large cap stocks with yeah. dividends reinvested. Yeah. Um, and you know, then there's different other asset classes, you know, real estate, bonds, precious metals, but a big portion of that, the, if you include the, you know, looking at the S and P 500, a big portion of that return has been the dividends. Um, yeah. There are years, you know, oh, it's huge, especially in high inflation years. The bulk of the returns uh, of the S and P 500 over, you know, some of these decades has been from the dividends. Well, so that's the reason. And this, I know this is. Some people might think, oh, that's basic, but a lot of people don't get it. Mm -hmm. We talk about total return. That's growth. That is, your stock goes from 
$10 to $11. That's your growth. But in the process, it pays 50 cents in dividend. That's your dividends. Growth and income. When a stock pays you a dividend, that's not because it went up in value. Your growth does not equal the dividend. Sometimes people think that, but you have to look at total return because you, and and let me tell you something. I'm just going to tell you something about how we do business at this firm. We use a company that looks at every individual account and gives you the client exactly what the total return has been on your account for as long as you've had it with us. So if you've had your account with us for six months, you're getting six months of total return. If you've had your account with us for six years, you're getting it's right there on the, on the thing that we, lots of firms do not give you this. This is something we pay for, for our clients. And you're not just getting a generic, um, thing of oh well all the accounts did this but mine really didn't do that but they're telling me it did no it's for your account yeah individually each individual account has an individual report for it right and it, it breaks out every line item too dividends interest uh or just income withdrawals contributions i don't think we market that enough and and it so it's it's transparency uh so we we our clients know yeah, how it's doing, how well they're doing, yeah. and or you know, the, are they making the, money or if not? If they're doing yes. badly, that we can't hide from. It. So going back to uh, nineteen thirty, dividends have contributed about forty percent of the total return yeah, of the S and P five hundred. Can't take them away, and it's important to note that dividends that forty percent means you are reinvesting the dividends in in the the yeah. index. You're yeah. Not living that's right. right. You're not taking it out. You're you're not uh, putting it in savings. You're reinvesting it in the index. But during the 1940s, 70s, and 80s, when inflation averaged over 5%, uh, dividends produced 54% of that total return. Um, so a dividend, and remember, remember why, do the, why has it historically been a good hedge against inflation? Because a dividend is a portion of the earnings. So when a company's producing something and they sell that good or service, they're able to pass that increase in their raw input. They're able to pass that on to the consumer. Um, and so, therefore, the earnings go up, and so that's when how you're able to get that inflation well, their, adjustment. The earnings at least keep up with inflation, and you're typically the companies that are paying good dividends – not necessarily super high yields, but paying consistently good dividends are companies that have a moat, so to speak. They have a competitive advantage, and they have the ability to raise their prices without losing their customers. So it's certainly an inflationary environment. So those are the kind of companies that are going to do well in that environment, and they do recognize people own those stocks for the income, for the dividend. So they're absolutely committed to raising the dividend as uh, as warranted given the inflationary environment. Right. And remember, too, uh, the market as a whole, uh, it's a forward-looking mechanism. So it's trying to price in expectations that, that it sees today. Um, and 
when you look at a, a dividend yield on a stock, that's its current price in relation to the dollar amount that it's paying in dividends. So that's the current yield. You can have a market, st- the stock price, when you're looking at a particular company, that stock price can go down, but that dividend can stay where it is in dollar terms, so your current yield is higher. And so that's when you can have you get opportunities when you have these events that move the market, move the stock price, when you're looking at it as a new investor buying in, um, you're able to get a higher current yield. Um, and one thing that, and this, this, this is where our job comes in, you know, on the research side, you can't just go out and buy the highest yielding stocks out there because the market, even though it can be Why nutty. Not? <laughs> I like them. The, the high dividend paying cut. No, at times there can be a reason that the stock price has gone down because uh, the market is nutty as it can be. A lot of times it can be right too. Uh, in the long run, it's right more than it's wrong in the long run. Um, you can and, count on management to deny they're going to cut a dividend or uh, there's a problem until they absolutely have to announce it. Yeah. And the market can sometimes get ahead of that. They can, they can see the cut coming before it happens. That's right. And so, when you see short-term things, you have to decide, and again, this is where we come in, decide is it warranted or not. Uh, you can get an idea by knowing the company, understanding the business, the cash flows, the financials, talking with management, um, and you start to notice things after you've seen something occur so many times. You, it might not be the exact same, but it rhymes with what's happened right. in the past. And that's when you can find bargains out there if you will um but it's the that's the constant analysis the research that has to go into these things if you can't explain why the dividend yield is as high as it is or as attractive as it is then it's too good to be true uh, you need to be able to understand it and explain it so it's it's a uh, something that that uh you have to dive deeper when a yield looks pretty attractive. Well, this was uh, it was a Fidelity uh, research paper. Um, they found that stocks, and this is why you can't just buy the highest yielding uh, stocks that reduce or eliminate their dividends have historically uh, underperformed the market by twenty to twenty five percent during the year leading up to the cut. So. The market being the forward-looking mechanism is pricing in and sees that sometimes. It It knows it. Now, sometimes after you see a cut in a dividend, sometimes that can be a good good time to buy, possibly. Well, well, here's here's what happens. A dividend is paid in after-tax dollars. It's not pre-tax. So the company doesn't get the same tax treatment when they pay a dividend as they do when they pay interest on their bonds. It's after-tax money. If they have debt and they decline on the dividend or cut it out altogether, they can now aim that dividend money at paying down debt. Mm-hmm. And many times they do. You know, they'll, they'll shore up their balance sheet by not paying a dividend. That can be positive for the value of the stock. Exactly. And and that's management doing what they should for the long-term right. value of the shareholders. We were paying out too much in dividend. I've got a stock I own right now that just cut the dividend. 
and they were expected to, and they did. But, you know, now down the road, it could help them. Right. But when you're building a portfolio that produces income, like like we do for our clients, um, you diversify, um, you know what you own, and that income stream, and we we tell our clients all the time, you know, yes, the market value is absolutely important. That's the liquidation value today if you sold everything. But the income stream is equally important. And, you know, when our clients are looking at that estimated annual income on their statement, like, you know, that's pretty, pretty consistent. So nothing on the show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. You know, we do talk about stocks in the stock market, but we're not saying go out and buy this. I mean, that's going to cost you to hear us say that. And this is what they tell us to say. Check with your financial advisor or professional before investing or just do it. All right. Thanks for doing that, Tom. Not necessarily scripted, but you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson and Chad Sturgill and our host, Tom Dupree. will be back with more. If you're interested in making your money work for you, call us 859-233-0400. We'll be right back. This is Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Our primary concern is getting you through retirement with enough money. In retirement, your monthly expenses don't go away. That's why we focus on investments that pay either monthly or quarterly income. Many folks have no idea of how to tap their retirement accounts for monthly income. We'll show you how. We have 45 years of experience providing income-oriented investments. For a free review of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.
politicians. jamming my transmission no one's muting me welcome back to the tom dupree show don't quit your day job tom joining us mike johnson chad sturgill and our host tom dupree i was talking about the singing part so we're powered by dupree financial Uh, group it's always it's all yours tom feel like you're you know the person that's supposed to build (laughs) this is kid we knew him. He, every day he would come up with some different thing he wanted to be. And his mother would always tell him, you can be anything you want. I, I just wish somebody would tell me I can be anything I want. You would turn into a three-headed monster. Yeah, I'm sure I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's not already the case. Now that song, God, I don't know which, um, was it on that Blue album? Zendada Minata. Okay, that's the one that was kind of orangish. Uh, Mandata, sorry. Zenyatta Mandata. What was the blue one? It was after their first one. It was after the one that had Roxanne on it. This Zenyatta Mandata was like their third. Was it the one with Canary in a coal mine? Or yeah. I don't remember that uh, God, album that was, name, but that was I used to know it. But it definitely uh, wasn't on Synchronicity. That was their breakthrough smash. Synchronicity was uh i will be watching you is that right i'll uh, be watching you uh every breath you take is the breath, big one but in song synchronicity yes all right but they uh, had a lot of number one hits on that one well the one Mike, i feel played, free to I pipe just, in here i just played uh <laughs> yeah zinata mandata well that's canary in a coal mine oh, okay that's the third album okay uh there was a second one anyway Play, let's just play that. I just sent it to you. <laughs> now that we're just playing a bunch of police, I mean, we we, we can talk about um, investments in just a second. I mean, it's not like you've never heard it. Before. Lindos de Moore. Oh, Regatta de Blanc. I think Regatta de Blanc was. Blanc. Yeah, that's that. That's that blue album, or it, it's, it's got a blue hue to it. Yeah, blue hue to it. Outlandos de Moore was the very first one. Right. That's the one with. Uh, uh, Roxanne on it. All right, this is Canary in a Coal Mine. I love this song. And it's got that reggae. Yeah, Scottish reggae, yeah. So tight. I mean, how do you do that? I was just going to wonder if you were going to jump in and try to sing that. It's a lot of fast talking. It is. Uh, now it slows down. Somewhere in well, okay. the, the cool thing with them, the, the guitarist, he, he was always almost the driving rhythm on it. Like You listen to it, and it's his, like, the syncopation, the, the plucking. Um, he was more of, like, the drummer... In a Andy way, Summers. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how they did what they Message did. Message in a Bottle was the big hit off of uh, Regatta de Blanc. 
was. That's right. They had a lot of good music, and then they broke up. I think Sting broke. Uh, wrote all the well, songs, Sting, pretty much. You know, was a monumental. He's probably worth a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, I bet he is. I mean, the guy's amazing. But did you say he lives in Brazil now? Well, he did for a long time. I don't know if he still does. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of money. Yeah. Speaking of Brazil, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, again, this is kind of the tag to last week. Uh, we talked about converting growth to income, but we didn't talk about the accumulation. You know, how do you methodically go about building a retirement right. uh, portfolio, building wealth over time, just some of the, the concepts behind that. Um, you, this, you, you, you be sting, you be, a, you be sting, you, you do what sting you build did. Well, yeah, that's do how you like sting. Yeah. Do like Mike, <laughs> do what sting did. No, anybody can do it. I mean, it's, you have to stick to certain principles. I mean, Warren Buffett, you know, his only talent really was picking stocks. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of funny, but well, he, he was never going to be a stand up comedian. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that was his kind of natural talent. Yes. Um, he had an incredible memory where he could digest volumes of information and then basically organize it in his mind yeah. in a way and put it to use. That That's, that's right. an incredible that, that's gift. That's a gift. And he was able to use that, but he had the discipline to refine that gift yeah. over a long period of time. And actually change what he looked for in value. Yeah. And, and I saw it happen in the 90s. He went from being a deep discount, pure value thing to buying good businesses. And that's what made um, Berkshire Hathaway go stratospheric. And that's why guys like Lucadia yeah. never got anywhere near as big because they couldn't get away from kind of their dogmatic on – their value thing. The values, yeah. yeah. That's Phil Fisher's influence on, on Warren Buffett. He said that the best companies out there you have to pay a little bit of a premium for, and Buffett decided he agreed with that. That's when he started going into Coca-Cola and Geico yeah. and some Go others. Coca-Cola really well. was really the big one. Right. I don't think Geico was that expensive. No, it wasn't, but it's... It was, you know, and it turned out to just be dirt cheap. And, I mean, you know, you look at the candy company. Well, those are some things he bought lock, stock, and barrel. But Seize candy, yeah. Yeah. He owns but so many companies, or Berkshire owns so many companies that they just bought the whole thing yeah. that are great companies. But uh, for for the, the average person out there, um, in the, this was actually the article we were using last week, but um, so on average, this is a, a Fidelity uh, report that they did. Um, among the characteristics that distinguish 401k millionaires are their savings rate. Uh, on average, they save 17.2% of their pay. Now, th that include uh, on top of that would be like an employer matching the 401k. So I took that number and I just did some back of the napkin calculations. I wanted to put that in perspective to people listening out there and show different time frames. Are you actually using a napkin? Well, I mean, it was sort of. No, it was a phone. Okay. It was actually an app on my phone. See this. It was an appkin. Um, so an appkin, huh? Appkin. So, so let's let's look at three different age groups. So somebody that's twenty five 
and let's look at a 40-year horizon, so 25 to 65. And just keeping the math simple, not talking about you know inflation or anything, um, what would it take on a, as a monthly contribution to get to a million dollars if you start at 25 and you stop at 65? $250. Close. So at 7%, a 7% annual rate of return comes out to $381 a month. Wow. Somebody that's 35. Give them two more years and I would have been right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so a 30-year time horizon. So that's a 40-year, a 30-year time horizon. So you start at 35 instead of 25. All right, hold on. I'm going to say $640 a month. 820 Dang. So that... It's inflation. That 10 years, yeah. that 10 years is almost an extra $500 a month. Wow. Now, take that to 20 years. Ooh. Again... $2,400 a month. $1,920. Yeah! So, what I'm trying to illustrate is the importance of starting young. So starting at age 25, all else being equal, again, simple math, not taking inflation, assuming you get a 7% rate of return, which never happens year every in year, year, out, year right. in, year out. But just illustration, that'd be $381 a month. Take that a step further. People say, I can't put in $381 a month. Maybe you can't. Maybe, maybe not. But can. look at, so if you figure that's a 17% contribution rate, what would you have to make a year to put in $381 a month, assuming your expenses were allowed it? Right. $27,000 a year. That's not that much. So what do you, what can you control in your personal finances more than anything else? Your expenses. You, you have more control over that than anything else. You can control what you invest in, but you don't control the markets. Um, you can control when you contribute, um, but your expenses, especially early on, setting that foundation for the discipline, um, that's key. So if someone's making $27,000 a year, how the question becomes, how do you set a budget to allow the $381 a month in contributions. This is, this is conceptual here because more than likely, a lot of people are earning more than that at that age or they're in a position that their earnings in the future, because this is assuming a flat $381 for 40 years. More than likely, you're going to be able to contribute more than right. that as your income goes course, up. Here's the thing. Your contributions have more power if they're put in earlier. Yep. They have more earning power because it gives them a longer time, longer runway over which to do it. Now, here's the thing. Your investing program, you need to be able to expose yourself didn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we say on this program is a recommendation to <laughs> don't do what we say. That's <laughs> for any social activities. <laughs> yeah, about social activities. You need to get involved in 
investments that are going to grow and and do well over time. So the part of the market that you want to get in is the, the robust part of the market. But you have to be nimble enough to make changes to your portfolio. Now, there's a lot of people out there, quite frankly, who they just put it on autopilot. And when the market's down, they don't look at their, you know, they don't look at their uh, statements. I'm going to be real honest with you. There's two ways of looking at that. One of them is that may be the right thing to do. The other is that may be the right thing to do. I mean, you know, for some people that may be simply what yeah. you have to do because you don't have the tools, you know, to, to make changes. We will make changes with our portfolios. We will sell something when we think it's too expensive. We've been above average at making those calls. I'm not going to say we're great at it, but we have done well with that. There are times when your portfolio does need to be adjusted. That's right. And you need to be able to do it when that happens. So that's right. And something we've, we're seeing more and more, um, our clients, uh, they're recommending their children or grandchildren, you know, to start the process. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here is kind of that, and, um, you know, sometimes it's fun for a child. I did this with a couple of kids. What companies do you know about? Would you like to buy two or three shares of that company? Yeah. You know, and then it used to be they would send out annual reports and the kids, a lot of kids, young kids bought Disney, you know. And, and they, they used would to get, make really nice stock certificates with holograms on them too. So, you, I mean, yeah. to encourage the kids to invest. Yeah. And they would send out really cool looking annual reports. Now it's like probably got a drag show or something on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. But the point is, you got to be able to make jokes. Um, even if it's poorly, um, you know, something to draw the young person's interest into investing. Mm -hmm. There are things that we own that I think are pretty interesting. I saw this thing. I came back from North Carolina and I stopped in Walmart. I know not Walmart. Um, Wolf. No, not waffle house. Uh, cracker barrel. Cracker Barrel in Gatlinburg or Sevierville. And they, they, you know, they have all these old posters on the wall, things they found. Yeah. One of them said, Our America. And it showed how oil is produced. And it showed all these pictures all the way from drilling to a, a refinery. It, it was these, these, this was a series of posters that was put out back in the 40s or 50s by, I think, Coca-Cola, but it doesn't say Coke on there. But these kinds of things, you know, a child, where does your energy in your car come from? You know, where? Shrugs the shoulders, right? It's they don't it, know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does banking work? What, uh, what? 
where are cars made, you know, where does food come from? Yeah. Those kinds of things are questions that young people ought to ask about investing. Right. And it's good to get them involved in it. Right. It really is. And and you're going to have to think about how you do that. Yep. Well, and we here recently we've had uh, several, um, I'll call them, you know, early, late 20s, early 30s, uh, people that listen to the show have started this process. That's great. And you, you, you're starting the discipline of saving. That's half of it. Yeah. That's, that's a discipline that you can somewhat control. But then the other discipline is the investing. There's, there are two different things. You, you can be a saver, but not an investor. When you marry those two things, that's when you can really get that compounding and, and that early. wealth and you start early. That's how you get that compounding and you build that wealth yeah, over time. It's a process. You can't get down on yourself. I've known people say, well, I'm starting out so small. I'm just, Better off not doing it. Bad answer. Yeah. You want to. You start. start. You start. start. Well, and Mike, it, it sounds like what you're also saying is that the biggest, the, the most important problem to solve or decision to reach is how you can cut your budget to actually save enough to be able to invest enough. You know, I mean, you gave us those numbers earlier, but it's, it, you, we were talking about this off the air that it's really about. It, we're not trying to tell you exactly how you need to spend your money, but we can say that you have to put this much away if you're going to achieve yeah, this goal. And exactly right. you can make the decision on where, what to cut out, what to what to not give up, uh, as long as you can stay below that number. And I think that that's or something just that's get not a higher paying job and do it all. There you go. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing. You know, you would we would never browbeat somebody. You know, saying, "Well, you, you're you're because we, we don't." control our clients uh, daily spend of their money no you know there's there's personal accountability a, yeah we're not a trust uh, company or something but we can lay the framework and say if you do this this is the path to get to x y and z yeah. be it financial success or you know income generation whatever it may be it, it's like me saying hey you know i want to i want to diet and exercise and get a six pack. It's like, well, I can go to a personal trainer. He can show me what I need to do, but then it's up to me. Do I actually follow the recommendations or not? Take Wagovi. That's how you get the six pack, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's financial success long term. It's not by picking one stock, you know, a hot trade or doing this. Most wealth is built by making wise small financial decisions over a long period of time and compounding those that's right. how wealth now is that's built. how you do it brick by brick brick by brick all right i'll start my goo 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 ga 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 whatever <laughs> do 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 da da <laughs> <laughs> another thing that you talk to people about quite often mike is when they've left 401ks behind at different jobs people move jobs and they yeah. forget to move their 401k that's another way to that's right save on top of saving right you've been listening to the tom dupree show with mike johnson chad sturgill and our host tom dupree if you'd like to come see us we'll take a look at where your finances stand and give you a financial plan of some sort 
Call us, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, duprefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour.